Welcome to Limitless Love. I'm your host, Sony. I help powerful women find the love they deserve by cultivating more sensuality, playfulness, and abundance in their romantic lives. Are you a successful woman who is killing it in her career but can't seem to get it together when it comes to men and dating? You are used to being recognized as being the best at what you do. You've got a condo, maybe a shiny new car. You take fabulous girls trips around the world, spend your weekends wine tasting and shopping. From the outside looking in, you seem to have it all. But you're missing real romantic connection. It feels like every man you meet is wrong for you. You are meeting men who are intimidated by your success, emotionally unavailable, and you have convinced yourself that it will never happen for you. Well, I've got good news for you, babe. You're dead wrong. Real, authentic love is waiting for you. You can have it all. I know this because I have been in your shoes. In this podcast, I will help you on your path to love by sharing my expert guidance, tips and techniques. You are meant for love. You are meant to have it all. Are you ready? Let's go. Hey, hey, my loves. What have you all been up to? Welcome to another episode of The Limitless Love with Sony. Lately, I have been seeing questions coming up around women and their self-worth and how they're constantly putting themselves on the back burner as if their needs and desires don't matter. This is important not just for single women, but also for women in relationship and married women too. Now, more than ever before, because we are spending so much of our time at home, maybe you're living alone or living 24-7 with your husband and kids, it has become crucial to strengthen the most important relationship in your life, and that is your relationship with yourself. I'm going to be diving more deep into this topic in my upcoming group coaching program, Unlocking Love, Finding Your Best Self in Challenging Times, which starts on November 2nd. But in this episode, I wanted to talk about some of the ways we cause ourselves pain and how it affects our relationship with men, whether dating or married. I'm going to talk about four toxic habits that many women exhibit whether single, in a relationship, or married, when it comes to their relationship with themselves. I call these habits toxic because they cause us pain. We are subconsciously responsible for producing this pain in our lives. The pain of self-doubt, the pain of unworthiness, the pain of constantly questioning ourselves, and not to forget the pain of just being so addicted to this pain that you constantly attract men who also give you pain instead of joy. 
So let's start talking about these four habits. The first is perfection. I'm sure we can all relate to this one. And this is the attitude that no mistakes are allowed. I must get it right. If I don't get it right, I am not good enough. So the desire to get everything right all the time. And when it doesn't go right, we hate ourselves. We become critical of ourselves. We become extremely hard on ourselves. And we forget that the whole idea around self-growth is to base it on self-love and not self-hatred. And yet, every time we make a mistake, that's where we go to. By default, we go to self-hatred. We go to beating ourselves up. We go to being harsh on ourselves. So the urge for perfection can arise from many factors. For one, if you've had critical parents in childhood that criticized you for every little imperfection. So, for example, you come home with your test grade and you get a B or heck, even an A minus. And your parents question you why you didn't get an A on that test, telling you that you need to study harder or anything less than an A is not acceptable. That was certainly true in my house. So we are criticized for that, and that's what we absorb. We absorb from very early in childhood how to be critical of ourselves and how to be hard on ourselves. I will share a story from my childhood. I really wanted to study psychology because that's what interested me, and I was told that it was for someone who was not driven. Yeah, crazy, right? So if you're an Indian, you either study medicine or engineering. And my parents gave me the permission to study business. I guess, like they told me, that they made a compromise. So I didn't get to study psychology. Now, several decades later, I am doing the work which has its roots in psychology, and it lights me up so much. But anyway, getting back to what I was saying, so what was modeled was that there is no scope for saying this doesn't work for me. I don't feel good about this. And when we say that, we feel that we'll be judged if we speak up for what is true about us. Other critical statements while growing up, you know, could have been, oh, why are you so thin? Or how come you look so shabby today? Uh, What's going on with you? Or how come you don't keep up with the news? How will you be able to make intelligent conversations with people? I thought of something really funny talking about keeping up with the news. My mom, she lives in India now, but my parents lived in Houston for a couple of years and she had the ABC News app installed on her phone, which she never deleted even after she moved to India. And every so often I get a text from her with an ABC News link because she thinks I need to know about this. 
it always cracks me up and she feels I don't keep up with the news as much as I should. So these things and these statements might sound light right now, but when they are constantly being delivered to you as a child, as a child, you learn literally how to completely not be okay with your imperfections. And you learn how the only way to cope in life is to always try harder, be better, be more perfect. No mistakes, nothing. It's just not allowed. And this is a very subconscious learning. That's where we pick it up from, this urge for perfection. And I had it big time too. I am a recovered little Miss Perfect here. I had it big time. I was addicted to perfection because I was this type that was constantly told, you have to work harder. You must succeed. And there's no scope for mistakes. What happened to that A? Why didn't you study harder? Now, my parents were extremely loving and extremely encouraging towards me. My mom would always tell me, I want my kids to be perfect in everything. So I learned how not to be easy on myself. I just learned how I had to constantly be perfect and get it right. It's interesting. Another mom story. (laughs) I guess you'll hear a lot of my mom stories in this episode. (laughs) So it's interesting. Just a few years back, she was visiting me. And at this point, I had already started my journey of personal development and inner work. So whenever she visits, we always get into arguments on how I don't do enough for the house and how she doesn't like how I do things, etc., etc. Anyway, I was dropping her off to the airport after a month of staying with me. And she said to me, I know I keep telling you how you should do things. And I do that because I want you to be perfect. And because I am perfect. And that's when I realized how hard she is on herself and what her childhood conditioning has been. I just politely told her, it's great that you feel you're perfect, but I am not striving for perfection. So that's one thing. Having very critical parents in your childhood are other important role models in your life. It could be your teachers. It could be your guru. It could be a mentor. Just someone who played an important role in your life, but was very, very critical towards you. We also learn about being a perfectionist when we watch our parents or our role models being hard on themselves. Like the story I shared about my mom being perfect. It was only after I had done so much work on myself did I realize that I don't need to put this pressure on me. But for 40 some years, that was what was modeled to me. And that was my conditioning to be perfect. So as parents, they exhausted themselves trying to look perfect for everybody and passed it on to us. Another situation that 
I have seen often is when we see our parents in arguments and fighting with each other at home, but they give everybody else outside the impression that they are in such a happy marriage. And when a child observes all these hard-pressured, people-pleasing behaviors at home, they learn subconsciously. You subconsciously learn to put pressure on yourself to look perfect for everybody else. And what you feel and what you want is not the point anymore. What the important focus is, how does it look to someone else, right? Does it resonate? And behind this behavior is a very deep-seated fear of shame. What will others think if I don't achieve this? Or if I don't achieve this or that? Or if I look a certain way? And here's why it's so dangerous. This judgment that we have learned as children towards ourselves, mostly as children, it can come from other factors as well. But here is why it's so dangerous when you are in the habit of judging yourself for the smallest mistakes or imperfections that you have. You will constantly judge the men you date or if you're married or in a relationship, your husband or boyfriend. And this is why no man will feel good enough because You will find his flaws unbearable, just like you find your flaws unbearable. And this is such a huge problem in dating, a blockage in dating, and in relationships in general, and such a blockage from bringing in soulmate love, because you're looking for perfection, and you will not find it. Not in yourself, not in the men you're dating. So now, how do we deal with this? It's by focusing on how can we minimize this attitude of perfection and this attitude of judgment that we have ourselves. So the first thing is start embracing and falling in love with your mistakes and not just accepting that you make them, but really falling in love with them. Falling in love with all your mistakes, with all your imperfections. I like to take it as growth opportunities. Mistakes are growth opportunities. I share my dating mistakes, which by the way, I did all of them. Now I can laugh about my mistakes. They mean nothing to me anymore. It's almost funny to look at myself doing all the chasing and doing all the men pleasing that I used to do. And that is the level of affection and that is the level of love and forgiveness you need to practice for yourself in the dating process. And again, forget about the dating process in your life in general. Whatever your quirks and imperfections, own them because you know, and I can say this because I have experienced it in my marriage now, that your man will love you for your imperfections. Men are not looking for a perfect woman. Your man experiences you as you experience yourself. So be okay with your imperfections and he is going to be okay with them too. I hope all this is resonating with you. 
Now let's move on to the second habit that causes us pain. And that's anti-self-talk. Now this is pretty self-explanatory. You saying to yourself things like, I'm such an idiot. I always do this. I always get attached too quickly to a man. And then I get disappointed. I'm so tired of doing this to myself. I'm a failure. I'm a loser. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. And on and on and on. I don't think I can ever get it right. Sounds familiar? We've all been there. And here's what I want to tell you. How does it feel when you talk to yourself like that? Do you even recognize that you're talking to yourself like that? Feels awful, right? Then why do we tell ourselves that? Why do we tell ourselves all these awful things? And the answer is simple. It's a habit. Picked up somewhere in childhood, like we saw in the habit of seeking perfection. You weren't born this way. You weren't born talking crappy things about yourself. When you are a baby, you did not judge yourself for seeking attention. You did not tell yourself, I deserve milk because of this and that, or I don't deserve milk because I'm not great, or I don't deserve my mom's attention and my dad's love and affection because I'm not that pretty. You did not say this to yourself as a baby. This means it is not your fundamental nature. It means this is something you learned along the way. You learned this along the way. This is called conditioning. These are conditioned behaviors. These are conditioned habits. And it's something you need to unlearn now in a very conscious, mindful kind of way. So here's my little trick to reducing, minimizing, and conquering that anti-self-talk. Remember that every thought that you think in your mind produces a feeling in your body. And when that thought is about you and it's producing a bad feeling in your body, it's not true. It's a fucking lie. It's a big piece of bullshit. Excuse my language. But it's just something that feels really true and real to you because You're just so accustomed to telling yourself that. It's a habit. That's what it is. There's no more truth to it than that. So I will give you a tool or two here to break through this habit. The first one is catch and stop. So it's a very powerful tool and it needs moment-to-moment implementation. And it's also very self-explanatory. When this voice arises in your head, I'm not good enough, I am not strong enough, I'm not fit enough, whatever it is, it produces a bad feeling in your body. And that's the very moment you're going to catch it in your hand. It's almost like grabbing a ball with your hand. So really aggressively catch it, spin it down, and stop it. Stop it dead in its tracks. So catch and stop is almost like your mind and its endless chatter. A monkey going on, constantly chattering. And the catch and stop tool is all about catching it at the very beginning. When the mind chatter starts 
on replay again. Stop it and nip it in the bud. Nip that thought in the bud. Catch and stop. And you'll see that in the beginning, you might even have to do it like 60 times a day because that is your background music. That is what is constantly on replay in your head. And what we are looking to do here is we are looking to change this background music that has been playing for the last 30 or 40 years in your head. And it's not easy. So doing the tools is very, very important when it comes to mastering your nasty voices and catch and stop is very powerful because it forces you to be aware of your inner world. It forces you to be aware of your inner world, which most people are not. Most people just let the negative chatter go on in their heads and they keep acting from those places of fear and self-doubt. But they don't even know, they're not even aware that all these voices are playing in their heads. So we want to start living from a much more aware space and we want to catch and stop these nasty voices, this nasty anti-self-talk the minute it arises in our body and produces a bad feeling. So just stop, don't say it, don't repeat it in your head, catch and stop. The second thing, it's more of a perspective or maybe even a tool. When you feel tempted to say something self-demeaning, ask yourself, would you talk to somebody else this way? Would you tell someone they are a failure, they are a loser, they are an idiot, that if they couldn't do better in the past, there's no way they are going to be able to do better in the future? that they have been single for far too long and always struggling, they'll always be single. And of course, they shouldn't hope for any better outcomes. No, we would never do that. It's rude and outright discouraging. We would never, ever talk to someone else like that. You know, when a friend says to you, I'm afraid I have been single for way too long and nothing has worked out, and I'm afraid that... This too, I don't know if this is going to work for me. This program I'm in or these tools that I am learning. You're going to say, oh honey, come on. Babe, you know, you're trying. Of course, it will work 100%. It will work. If you bring yourself to the work and you do the tools and you do the work, it has worked for so many people. Why would it not work for you? And yet, do we really talk to ourselves like this? No. Our default position is it won't work. I'm a loser. Of course, nothing is going to change. And I feel this is just not fair to us, is it? It's how we talk to ourselves all the time. I was guilty of that too. And it's a very, very toxic relationship habit. Just in general in life, it's a very toxic habit. It's a very toxic relationship we have it ourselves when we don't need anybody from the outside to discourage us. We are constantly discouraging ourselves. You don't need an enemy. You are your own worst enemy. You don't need somebody from the outside to pull you down because you are the best at pulling yourself down and really ask yourself, is this serving me? I wouldn't do this to another person. What kind of relationship do I have with myself? 
that I'm doing this to myself. And this includes not speaking poorly about yourself to your family, to your friends. So many times women come to me and say, oh, my best friend told me I am like this or like that. And I ask them, how does your friend, your best friend even get to know all this about you? How does she get to know that you look at yourself as weak and a loser and that you're not able to figure things out? How does she know all of this? Because at some point you must be talking about yourself in a demeaning way. Otherwise, no person in the world can talk to you like this about yourself. There is nobody in my life right now who can talk to me like this at all. People love me and they respect me. And if they don't, then they are not in my life. So if our close relationships are reflecting our anti-self-talk back to us, it's because we are feeding them the anti-self-talk. We are giving them the raw material that they are throwing back at our face. So stop doing it. Stop talking about yourself in a bad way. Stop berating yourself. Stop saying anything about yourself that doesn't feel good to you and that's not respectful to you and that you would not say to somebody else about them. What also helps is surrounding yourself with people who are a positive influence in your life and asking them what they love about you and storing what they say in a little love jar for yourself so that anytime the voices become really strong, you can turn back to your love jar and read all those little love notes. Basically, the whole point of this anti-self-talk is that it is learned. It's not your true nature. And you have to make an active choice to unlearn the stuff that you have learned using these couple of tools I just gave you. And it's the day-to-day thing. It's a moment-to-moment implementation. So there's no magic pill you can swallow and just feel better in an instant. You have to do the work. And it gets easier with time when you keep doing it. Alrighty. Now, the third habit that causes us and our relationship pain is the perspective of I don't matter. Now, This is a voice of a very subconscious voice. My needs don't matter. My desires don't matter. My boundaries don't matter. And what I want doesn't matter. My kids matter. My parents matter. My in-laws matter. My friends matter. The man I'm dating and his needs matter. The man I'm dating and his parents and his friends need matter. And what they think of me matters, just I don't matter. Now, this belief is commonly based on the premise that caring for others and being a humble person is much nobler than being caring towards ourselves or being there for ourselves. And I can tell you that even though these beliefs come from a place of a good intention, it's very harmful to the success of your love life. Because the minute a man's need and desires matter to you more than your own, he will slowly just start to take you for granted and over time start to lose attraction. 
This used to be my story in dating before I started my transformation journey. And this is the story of so many of my clients where they tried to be the good girlfriend in the dating process. And you know, when they have been dating for a month or two months, and then all of a sudden they start to get these ideas. Oh, I think I, I can adjust. I must adjust. Oh, but this doesn't matter. Um, I think I can do this for him. I can give him a massage. He doesn't need to give me one. And of course, we are coming from a good intention place. We want to be kind. We want to be noble. But this I don't matter perspective is very, very dangerous place to be in because it makes the men start taking us for granted. And again, forget about the men. It makes everybody around us start taking us for granted. So here's your new mantra. Caring for myself first is the highest path of spirituality. Not caring for my friends, not caring for my parents, but caring for myself first is the highest path to spirituality. Because only when I take care of myself can I be there for my friends, can I be there for my parents, and can I be there for my kids. And this might feel selfish. The highest path of spirituality being caring for ourselves, honoring ourselves, honoring our needs first before we honor those of others and being there for ourselves first. But the truth is, and here's how I look at it. Someone who doesn't value themselves and doesn't value their own needs and treats themselves as inferior to others or treats her needs as inferior to others is actually dishonoring God, is dishonoring the universe, the creator. However, you see that supreme energy that exists in all of us. So honoring yourself is honoring that God in you, is honoring that supreme energy, that higher power in you. And this, I know, is a radical shift in perspective. It's often very hard for some of my clients to embrace this, but it's going to make you so much happier. And it's also going to make your man happier when he finds you because the strong sense of self-love in any relationship is needed in order to live with a man long after you are in a relationship with him. Okay, now on to the fourth habit that doesn't support us, and that's our non-productive beliefs. They are limiting beliefs that keep us stuck. They are useless, trashy, fruitless set of beliefs that don't give you anything in return when you believe in them. Non-productive beliefs are beliefs like, I will never find the one I desire. I'm not worthy of love. I will never find a man who loves me and treats me like a queen, but who I feel attracted to at the same time. You know what I'm talking about. It's pure BS. The method that worked for me to transform these beliefs and has worked tremendously powerfully for my clients is the power of deciding to let go of whatever is rationally not serving you. So ask yourself, if I say 
I want to get married and have a great man in my life and have two babies, does it serve me? Does it serve me to tell myself that I will never find a man who loves me and whom I'm attracted to as well? Does it serve you? And my guess is that it doesn't serve you. It doesn't serve your goal at all. Then why are you saying it? And why are you believing in it? Either you believe that you can have what you want, either believe you can have that amazing man that loves you and that you feel attracted to as well, or stop dating. It's really contradictory energy. It's a contradictory vibration. So now that you know that it's non-productive and not serving you and it's causing you pain and that it's not giving you anything in return, visualize this instead. Imagine sitting with a masculine man on a cozy raft and his arms are tightly wrapped around you and he's smiling at you and looking at you as the goddess that you are. All his energy is coming towards you. He's making an effort and you feel perfectly matched to him. You are relaxed in his company. You do feel attracted to this amazing man and all the warmth and love he has to offer to you. Now, how does that feel for a change? Feels happier, feels easier, feels more relaxed, right? And you know what? It's much more productive because it's true. Everything else that you're telling yourself, all these non-productive beliefs, they're actually causing you to resist your own success. They're causing you to energetically doubt your own success. And this is the resistance that we want to melt away and release. This is the resistance when it will melt away and you will really start believing that your man is out there. You will start really believing energetically that if not this one, no problem. If not that one, no problem. He's there. I know this. And if you will start showing up with this energy, you're going to melt away that resistance that's blocking you from experiencing that grand love which is yours and which is already there. And these non-productive beliefs create all that useless resistance energetically and you don't need that. And once you're aware of it, which is always the first step, awareness, it's going to be time to release it. It's all about releasing these toxic habits, releasing these relationship habits that cause us pain and that keep a good man from coming into our life. So my loves, these are the four habits that cause us pain in our relationships with ourselves. And like I said before, I dive into this much more deeper in my group coaching program and give several other tools and self-love perspectives along with several other topics that I will be covering. This program starts on November 2nd and the enrollment is now open. If you would like to read more about this program, you will find the link to it in the show notes. When we strengthen our relationship with ourselves and find our best self, love just 
feels easy. And all our other relationships feel easy too. If this episode was helpful, share it with a friend and share your takeaways with me on Instagram. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you have loved this episode, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a thing. And if you really love this episode, I'd love if you beauties can leave me a review. For more love and dating advice, join my private Facebook community, Limitless Love. And for daily inspiration and fun, come hang out with me on Instagram at Sony Healthy. Until next time.